community something that i think we all strive so hard to be a part of and if we are striving hard to be a part of something can marketing be far behind this is where i think a lot of enthusiasm today comes in the form of being part of a community or building a community my community on slack has a thousand members it's a bit of a flex almost isn't it but really what sustains a community when does a community become valuable many years ago i had a chance to go and be part of the beach house project and somehow every time i think of community that's the one experience that i always look back to because it was a place where the whole situation the entirety of those 7 days was about me coming out on the other side as a better person i therefore consider myself extremely lucky that kush the chief creative for the experience co agreed to come do this podcast episode with us welcome kush welcome to the damn good marketing podcast are you excited i'm i'm extremely excited uh firstly because i think storytelling just stitches the narratives of anything that you want to like bullshit out there and marketing itself is the art of bullshitting so <laughs> we are right so we have a bit of an interesting segment today which is about communities uh and kush you guys have hosted 65 editions of the beach house project uh both in india and overseas and may i just say how jealous i am of all the people who've been attending your sessions outside of india i completely agree with it because uh, i think there's exchange of cultures so if anything we are trying to bridge communities across the world we aren't changing the world or any of that but honestly just the right people need to be in the right rooms well thank you <laughs> no expectations then right you know it's just yeah we are here to basically tell people how to tell stories and in fact the interesting thing is for our holiday special uh, subha and i had spoken about storytelling but let me ask you this uh what really is storytelling a uh, very interesting and uh, a very recent realization itself i think it was a couple of days before the new years and uh, somebody who was an acting coach to vijay setupati asked me what is acting or what is storytelling and uh, after a lot of deliberation and a lot of filtration of answers we came down to breathing and breathing Whoa. itself is storytelling right you're constantly telling a story out there to the people around you it could be an action it could be a word it could be a brief uh it could be a story you want to put out there into the world so all of that at the end of the day is storytelling but it begins with breathing so even the little things like us expressing uh disgust need like chi through your constant <laughs> like exhaling air right and every time you put surprise out there you're inhaling air so at the end of the day those aha moments that uh, our clients ask us for are surprise moments and that comes down to breathing also wow that is supremely profound and um, yeah i'm i'm a little lost for words at this point because you're right when i think back to some of the campaigns that we resonate so much with uh, i think it does come down to how they made us feel and therefore we remember them uh, for so many years uh, since they've been released uh, kush you've been in the business of storytelling for quite some time so uh, let's get started in terms of just understanding your perspective on the world of marketing and telling stories and communication and this thing that brings us all together and maybe we can delve a little bit into communities i know that you're here today uh, on behalf of a community as well so before we confuse the listeners i think let me just set a little bit of context on who we are and why we are here today 
welcome to the damn good marketing podcast for season 2 kushal mengrajani chief creative at the experience co we know him as kush is here as our first guest i'm very excited that he's here today because my journey with kush has spanned how many years kush probably 5 6 at this point 5 uh, years yes yeah so we've known each other for 5 years which is actually not a lot if you think about it uh, but the kind of impact that the experience co uh, and some of their work has had on me uh, has been extremely profound i was part of the fifth edition of the beach house project uh, which had taken place at nainital in 2018 if i remember correctly and it was quite interesting uh, for me to be able to step out of a conference room setting where everyone's dressed up in coats and dinner jackets and you know sharing breakfasts and lunches and conversations and insights with you uh, giving their all and just being there because they liked the idea of being there so that was quite eye opening and the idea of community is something that is so vague and abstract in today's time you know every investors after a startup saying hey build a community for xyz whichever is your industry and domain but what really is a community and i think the beach house project showed me what true community could be so thank you kush for being here with us today and i know that you guys have been up to some very exciting stuff uh, the fifth edition is probably a memory of the past at this point uh, so very excited to know a little bit more about who you guys are today uh, what's that story kush thank you so much for inviting me for this hasida i think um, content and storytelling is something that's uh, at the core of our hearts and uh, the right people should be putting that core out there but uh, this interesting aspect of communities that you've touched upon i think uh, every single time uh, somebody who's wanted to start a brand or wanted to start uh, something of their own we was always ask them to like start a collective of their own we do not see community because community is such a broad term and uh, we ourselves collectively name it as the tribe and mm-hmm. uh, the reason why we call it the tribe also is because when you think about the intersections of a tribe they aren't transactional they delve into the intangibles also you know for a fact that they've got your back and you can go out there and take the risks that you want to be yeah. and there are a bunch of people or a creative army that will ensure that you can be the superhero and they they won't let your capes slip off and yeah. uh, while you have a community like that backing you for every dream that you put out there or every risk that you want to take especially post pandemic it is super critical to identify which community you're a part of or which collective you belong to um mm. the sooner you realize that i think uh, you can go out there and be the superhero you want to be and there'll be that creative army that'll ensure that the cape doesn't slip off your shoulders that's a beautiful way of putting it and uh, i never did think of us as superheroes so i feel very special right now so thank you for making me feel that way i wanted to ask you though uh, because social media was supposed to be the og community right uh, when facebook was launched i think we were also excited uh, maybe even awkward before that like i'm i'm really giving away my age at this point but uh, i think the idea was that we would be able to a connect with people that we've not connected with in a while and b that we'd be able to connect with people who we wouldn't have connected with uh, outside of you know those platforms but today definitely there's a certain amount of load that we all experience in terms of showing up and being part of uh, these places these online communities 
so how has a collective experience and i know that a lot of uh, your in fact all of your editions the road trip project uh, the ffx festival all of these are offline uh, channels essentially so do you see that there's a difference between how we interact with each other online versus how we interact with each other offline or do you think both can be engineered uh, in creative ways that's a supremely cool question um, thank you a lot of people think about developing a, a community online first and then taking it offline i think our biggest advantage was that we cracked offline first and then went online yeah. uh, and there is a huge difference i think because uh, i think we 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 live in a space or a world where uh, there aren't many places where you can form meaningful human connections and uh, in in a world where we are swiping right and left to meet new people i think you need to break the code of nature to make something authentic happen and uh, this little line that i said which is breaking the code of nature was mm. actually said to us by one of the residents at beach house 8 we've done 65 mm. so far but this was back at in kashmir at the beach house project uh, the 8th edition and he after a couple of uh, beers pulled us aside and told us you know what you guys are doing right and we shook our heads saying no and he said that you're breaking the code of nature we are people who were never meant to meet each other we weren't people who were supposed to spend time in a room together or a week mm-hmm. together because we don't belong to each other's worlds uh, we come come from completely different professional backgrounds but as soon as you break the code of nature something magical happens and that's an intangible too you can't sell intangibles uh, and as as a marketing podcast as a content podcast you can uh, think how difficult a challenge it is when you know the intangibles are so high in a space like that yeah uh, yeah of course and keeping that in mind i think when you think community and you crack offline first the magic that has to happen off- online will happen because uh, the the strength in word of mouth is a lot more stronger uh, the way people perceive you the way because after you've lived with somebody for 7 days you know them inside out and yeah. uh, like i said if you have a community that can identify what your strongest skill sets are they know exactly where you hit the highest highs and the lowest lows um they form that little arch of your heart line where you know for a fact that you can bring in consistency and for yeah. that um uh, offline before online would always be like a still target yeah sometimes also just reading uh, cues is so much easier i think in a physical environment especially because we are all signing up for a certain um, degree of openness and honesty right we're saying hey i'm going to be eating three meals with you i'm probably going to be sharing a room with one of you and therefore let me just put myself out there in the most real way as uh, as i could be at that point in time and i experienced that as well uh, because there there was a presentation that we did i'm not sure if the format has changed between then and now but the idea was that we all gather and solve a problem for one of the local communities or businesses and while doing that uh, after the presentation i remember some of my peers coming up and telling me uh, that was so amazing you we had no idea that you could bring this much energy at 10:30 in the night and that was honestly a revelation to me as well like <laughs> it was the first time i realized that I, i was so excited about it and it was showing right so definitely every time i've done a presentation since then i've kind of tried to stand in front of the mirror and ask myself am i bringing my best to this and is the other person really able to see that i want to be here and i think those transformations probably can only happen in a physical space uh, you're absolutely right uh, online communities of course they serve their own purpose most important uh, among them beings connecting us i think with people that are in other time zones other geographies 
and therefore we can't really access them on a daily basis. But uh, if you can meet, uh, you should probably meet in person. I agree with you. Absolutely. And it builds onto that fact that, uh, you know, when I think we, we live in a world where uh, self-validation trumps everything else. And as soon as you have some sort of validation coming in from an alternate source, you know your skill set is strong in that area. Uh, if someone wrote you a testimonial at max, you're going to go there and like that testimonial or say thank you to it and forget yeah. about it. But if someone comes to your face and tells you exactly those words, it's going to hit so much harder. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, I think we'll always stitch back to offline before online. So we've discussed communities, Kush, and I have a lot of things that I want to discuss with you because you followed a very similar journey. I understand you have some questions and maybe this is as good a platform as any to kind of discuss marketing questions, content questions and uh, exchange ideas, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, so what else is on your mind, Kush? What's what's happening really? Who are some of the people, artists or brands that stood out for you in 2022 when it comes to content or marketing as a game player? Whoa. I, I think everybody is going to have a different answer to this. And um, I feel like in taking some names, I may invariably skip some, but that's not because I don't appreciate them. It's just that it's not coming to me right now. Uh, I think in terms of brands, um, 2022 was also the year when I started um, being able to independently handle a lot of brand strategy workshops. Uh, and therefore, there was always that keen sense of not trying to repeat or replicate what someone else is doing. Uh, because one of the foundational tenets of brand strategy is that you do what you can to stand out who you are and how you can be different from whoever else is in the market. Uh, but I definitely appreciated one D2C brand uh, because they, they did something really cool. I think they had uh, their highest number of sales during the pandemic. And the reason why it's interesting is that it's a travel accessories company. Uh, and I'm talking about Mokobara, of course. Uh, and I think their overall presentation, how they show up, uh, how they get excited about the idea of travel is definitely a case study in direct-to-consumer uh, retail and branding. Um, I am also going to go out and admit that I bought one of their extremely expensive suitcases, which I'm not taking anywhere because I'm scared of spoiling how it looks, uh, which kind of defeats the purpose of the suitcase. I get that. But it's just, I felt very special when that was my birthday present. Like I felt like somebody had understood I, I felt like somebody had understood the fact that I like traveling and had therefore put some thought into it and had gifted me that. So I think uh, in terms of brands, uh, yes, the bigger folk are always going to kind of, you know, be featured in, in the award seasons and all of that. But I think the small guys uh, are doing an equally phenomenal job and a huge shout out, I think, to Mokopara. Uh, Kush, what, what do you think? Like what, what brands have you really enjoyed experiencing and looking at in, in the last year? Before I answer that question, you can make use of that suitcase, Hasita. You can travel with the experience. Code. They, they do some really cool projects <laughs> in India and overseas. Plugging in marketing gameplay. Yes, but, yes. Uh, <laughs> was that uh, some of the brands that stood out for me? Um, I have always been an Android first person. But mm. uh, 2022 was a year where I think the, the religious conversion actually happened. And it oh. happened um, it went from Android to iOS. And uh, reason being, I think, uh, the way Apple goes about their marketing has always been like a really strong suit. We use 
uh, a lot of brands have used the don't blink ad as a testament to create uh, yeah. you know ad junctures for themselves but ever since then i think uh, don't blink came out in 2016 and we are in 2022 right now and a lot a lot of brands still use that as a, a marketing gimmick for their own like visual identity of sorts but uh, this conversion happened because i think uh, when i think copy when i think easy navigation when i think about um the direct approach to how you should be speaking to consumers today when it comes to professionalism and making work easy professionally also i think mm. apple makes it an easy giveaway and mm. uh, i'm not an uh, i'm not an easy person to convince to be moving into a new direction if i've been a constant user of something but if apple made that happen i think it was their marketing team so like full kudos to that so i will go out and say that uh, after having been a religious ios and mac user for the longest time i'm having second thoughts about the whole thing but i'll not corrupt your <laughs> conversion at this point and also i was wondering will we get through this segment without talking about apple and that's the, that's the beauty of that brand as well right like it's impossible to have a conversation about brands without mentioning apple somewhere um, and as you rightly said if an ad from 6 years ago if a campaign from that time is still doing what it's supposed to do uh, then why not learn from that rule book in that sense but i just want to tell you kush there's no going back right you may hate apple but you will still continue buying apple products for the rest of your life through that consumerism at its best capitalism at its best um and branding at its best let's not forget <laughs> best the next question is something that's been a pain point or the biggest challenge that uh, creators have been facing over the last 4 years and that's okay. self brand Mm-hmm. Right, uh, self branding because they also go through this imposter syndrome of I know I am doing good work, but there are yeah. people who are doing better than I am. Uh, should I be vocal and put myself out there to get more clients? Uh, I'm an independent brand owner, and I know for a fact that my product is really cool. But uh, the competition, if the competition is so high today, and uh, that's some that's something that puts a hiccup or like a little bit of a lump in my throat. on whether i should be branding myself right now or just speak about the company itself right mm-hmm. but the biggest challenge statement just uh cutting the short is how do i overcome self branding as a challenge yeah yeah and it's a big one i want to be a little mindful in how i answer this question because it it's got a lot of different dimensions uh, the individual and their comfort obviously being top priority in my mind uh, because one of the conversations that we don't have enough of when talking about branding yourself or personal branding uh, is the conversation on mental health and the impact that sometimes putting yourself out there constantly over and over again uh, has a tendency to have uh, a bit of an impact one way or another uh, but that said um, I think in today's world there is no such thing as being a creator without being a distributor. Uh, this is a lesson that we've had to learn the hard way as well uh, in the context of this podcast plus a little bit of other work we do. Um and one of the things that I always tell people who are standing at that threshold of being ready to take a step in that direction but not really knowing what that step or what that direction even is uh, is to show up as one persona. right and this is i think something that all human beings struggle with because we are integrated individuals you cannot take 
the baker out of me or the traveler out of you uh and those are all very much part of who we are so when we wake up in the morning we are x and y and z and then a and b and c as well uh but what happens when you kind of try to translate that to an online medium is that uh, you end up scattering firstly your own energy uh and secondly you end up confusing people right so today if i post pictures of me baking and tomorrow i'm talking about marketing then people are going to be confused um especially when they've not met me or they don't know who i am so sometimes just contextualizing yourself uh is a great way to solve both these issues at the same time one is the issue of mental health and how do you kind of preserve and have your own boundaries and at the same time how do you show up right so in fact just yesterday we were talking to somebody uh, who was having a very similar challenge and um, after hearing them out uh, one of the recommendations that we shared is that they show up as uh, for example kush the storytelling guy uh so no longer will there be a kush the agency guy though no longer will there be kush the copywriting guy because that takes time right to layer on to who you are as a person and uh, when it comes to their own like self branding image i think uh, they they have two filters there and not just one because that's putting yourself out there and uh while while this is one touch point that i speak about there's a fun activity of how we actually go about asking people to define themselves or their brand and mm-hmm. uh, i came across this little question while i was listening to the cmo of netflix during uh, one of his podcast during the pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, he asked somebody if you met your own brand at a party how do you describe them oh yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, if i had to ask you now hasita just bringing mm. on to this question if you had to meet mm. your own self brand or independent mm. artist profile of hasita at a mm. party how do you describe hasita so i am the person who's probably not qualified to be at the party to begin with but will do everything in her power to become more than qualified perfect and uh, if i had to ask you five adjectives on how you wanted to describe that person at the party how would you do that you can speak about appearance you can speak about whether they'd be the life of the party or the one who uh, silently brood and observe all of these are adjectives but five yeah. adjectives on how you'd go about describing this person so i would definitely not be the life of the party to open with let's just be very clear on that uh, i am the person who will look for the window and stand there until i can figure out what's happening so i'm just going to put it out there i'm not very social people it's it's one of the hardest things that i've had to do but i'm definitely learning so five things um mm, cultured um opinionated mm, practical Mm, kind and easy to be with that is beautiful <laughs> and from these five it, if i had to ask you to choose the top 3 which would which would those be i think practical for sure uh, because it, it's it's a value that i hold very dear um, to myself um, i i like being no nonsense it it makes me very happy to be that person um and then i'm building on the cultured bit so i will definitely pick that because that's something uh, that i see as an ongoing journey um and kind i i want um, to practice more of that perfect and now that you have these three words uh i follow this one person called chris to as my marketing guru yeah and me too <laughs> if you look at uh, his website thefuture.co uh i think what he's done there brilliantly is he says identify the three words that define you the best 
and put that out in one single statement on your landing page as soon as somebody enters it. And if you oh. don't have these three words there, then you're doing something wrong because you have three seconds to convince someone to be there on the landing page for more than a minute, right? Uh, you know, the so funny thing is, I think you've just given us a copywriting masterclass, Kush. I don't know if you realize that because uh, I had not thought about it this way, right? Not at all. I have not come across this podcast episode that you'd mentioned before. Uh, but if you go to the Motley Crew uh, website right now, uh, the homepage has three lines of copy, right? And the, it's been picked for a very specific reason. I know it's not the most SEO friendly website in the world, uh, but that was intentional. Uh, we just tell people what we do. Uh, we tell people who we work with and we tell people who we are and that's it. And each of those is one sentence at a time, right? So I obviously hadn't thought about it this way, but I see the practical aspect of me kind of emerging already uh, when we first built the website, which was almost a year and a half ago. So, so cool. I think this is a beautiful exercise for all of us to try. If there's like a second question I can ask, you told me five words that describe you the best. Can mm -hmm. you also tell me like seven words, which are your value belief systems? And there's a reason okay. why I'm saying seven. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I've never thought about seven. <laughs> so I'll do my best to do good, to speak the truth, to listen more than I speak, um, to put myself out there, to be sure of who I am, to care. That's seven. six. Okay, six also works. Once you have your value belief systems out there and you have those six or seven words that describe you or your brand the most, right? People are looking for authentic stories and a little more originality in content today. Yeah. Um, it's not just that you put out a really cool picture and you have any caption that goes about and people might like it, but there's no relevance then. There's no relationship that you're building with that person. Uh, I think on one of your recent podcasts, you spoke about Samantha Prabhu, like, being completely yeah. authentic about her story and uh, seeing it as is. Another person who does that uh, very frequently is Deepika Padukone because she is un unafraid of like uh, accepting the mental taboos that she's been going through. And yeah. when you have something like that, those are your value belief systems itself, right? Uh, right. Biggest standpoint is how do you make your content consistent while you are on Instagram day in and day out? And mm -hmm. uh, identifying what you have to put out there you come down to this term called content buckets, right? Mm. So now that Hasid has this self-brand of uh, active listening, being out there, you spoke about being sure, which also means uh, being completely authentic and care. You have four content buckets already, right? Yeah. And uh, you spoke about six. So you know for a fact that you can dive into each of these six buckets as Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you have content buckets ready for a week, right? So you know for active listening. Tuesdays are for putting yourself out there. Wednesdays are for like authentic stories that you want to like put out there. Um, and then care. Wherever you go, I think uh, what you define for your brand or your own uh, self-identity the most, those, those become your content buckets itself. You know, Kush, it's so interesting. Because the funny thing is uh, to care kind of came up... Uh, quite unexpectedly even for myself uh, and it is and then I could see where it was coming from because I do uh, want to be remembered for having paid attention to the pain point that people were going through uh, and somehow that's also extended into a conversation on conservation which is something that I'm also very passionately pursuing 
um, the idea of conserving the planet uh, for people to see it the way it is uh, is also something that's on my mind. And in some ways, I see this podcast as an expression of that, right? Uh, because we've been so very honest with everything that we've put out there and we've gotten that feedback as well. People have come back and told us that, hey, it's really refreshing to see that someone's finally not mincing words about the world of marketing. Um, and that's how I think uh, I'm able to express that value system. So thank you for calling it out because it definitely feels so nice because we do sometimes wonder, as you rightly said, when you're doing four things, uh, you know, where are you and who are you, right? Half the time you don't know. Uh, but it's also very kind of nice to acknowledge that we are already expressing our values and our belief systems in so many different ways. Sometimes maybe we just need to hit that pause button and pay attention to what that is. True that. True that. And that brings me to the next question because we are speaking about content and consistency. Is there a golden cycle that exists for creating content on all platforms? And staying relevant on each of them. So why don't I ask you this? <laughs> I think you you guys have cracked that code so much better than anyone else I know. Um, a golden cycle for me. I'll come back to the example of Chris Do itself on what he does because I think uh, it's genius. Um, every single time he has a ramble in his head, a uh, thought that comes to his mind, he he keeps his phone handy and he tweets them out. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> his rambles are out there now you have five rambles on twitter and you identify that there's one ramble that people are creating a thread out of and people are diving a lot more deeper into it he takes yeah. that that little ramble and converts that into an instagram post right and now he has five instagram posts that he's put out there and he's identifying which one is performing the best out of those five and then he identifies one that is garnering most attention he takes that instagram post and does a linkedin article on it and now once he's on LinkedIn, there are thought leaders on that space because uh, it's not limited to just your followers seeing uh, the content you're putting out there, but the world on LinkedIn itself who is interested in that content piece. And once a thought leader comments on one of his LinkedIn articles, uh, he reaches out to them and he says, I'd love to do a podcast with you. How about yeah. we schedule a date? Uh, both of us have uh, linearity about this topic and I think uh, there's something to be explored. He schedules the podcast, uh, gets onto it. And as they're doing the podcast, he keeps one of his EAs to constantly put out the rambles that come out of that, that podcast. And those rambles go out as tweets again. Right. Wonderful. That's yeah, how yeah. a cycle comes out of it. But again, this is one cycle that, that I'm attracted to. But is there mm. a cycle that exists beyond it? So one of the things that's worked for me is to... Um, always sit in any conversation with a pen and a paper. Uh, and this is not something that, I mean, the irony is that despite uh, being a writer, uh, it's it's been hard for me to do because I feel like somewhere I'm missing, you know, context and nuance when I'm also trying to take notes parallelly. Of course, that problem is not now solved, especially if you're doing Zoom meetings, uh, because you do have transcription tools and software which can capture pretty much everything and then you can filter through. Uh, but what I'm really kind of intrigued by is uh, some of the mm, not so obvious things that come out of conversations. So last uh, season, when we recorded a podcast episode uh, with a guest, um, both Subha and I remember coming out of it feeling very refreshed, uh, as though we just had one of the most pleasant chats of our lives. And this is not a person we'd known before. This is not someone who came from our immediate networks. 
and I do remember messaging her and saying something about recording that podcast felt so wholesome. It felt like finally we were speaking the truth that we were supposed to. Um, and that became context for some of the posts that I then wrote out on LinkedIn. Um, and I still kind of try to apply that filter every time I write in terms of um, saying, is this going to be valuable to the person reading or is this just me uh, talking to myself or rather addressing myself in a mirror. So that filter, when you apply, I think in tandem with a process like this, because I am a little wary of, you know, um, being tweet happy, if I could put it that way. And that is the one thing that I kind of challenge Christo's process on uh, is that I don't think uh, a lot of us are A, comfortable and B, we should be in the business of tweeting everything that comes to our minds. Uh, it, that's not my ideal approach to uh, content creation at all. Uh, but some form of journaling, some form of keeping track of some of these aha moments that emerge um, from every conversation we have, that could become, you know, a content engine in itself uh, when the right kind of filter is applied is how I would put it. So we've understood how the social game or the social marketing aspect works, but there's a world of email marketing. And emails, again, come down to the fact that it is long-form content. And yeah. today, while everybody is moving to like micro over macro, is it true that micro has trumped macro? If so, why? Okay. No, firstly, I don't think, I think I fall in that small club of people who don't think that micro over macro is the trend of the day. I really don't. Uh, I think podcasts are proof. Uh, the way they took off in in just the past year alone should show us that there are people who are willing to uh, tune in for the nuance to get to know the people behind, uh, you know, whatever is happening. I mean, Kush, both of us talking here right now is maybe we're talking for a while, right? Like, let's just kind of put it out there. And I'm sure there are people uh, willing to listen. And we ourselves have heard episodes going into two, three hours. Uh, we pay attention to movies. We binge watch series. So I don't see it as a problem of micro over macro at all. Surely there's an audience for both, right? Uh, and that's really going to be my answer as far as email marketing is concerned as well. There will always be audiences for all kinds of content. Uh, and I don't see that consolidation as a bad thing, right? Uh, if I am somebody who likes to kind of dive deep into something, some topic, some subject, um, it's good to know that there are other people who also enjoy uh, deep dives of that nature. Uh, in fact, there was a very ill-fated newsletter attempt uh, of mine from 2021 called the newsletter with no agenda. Uh, it literally stopped because of no other reason except that I had run out of the ability to write it, right? But every time it was sent out, the response was very good. It was plain text email, very few links if there ever were. Uh, but that just showed me that, you know, if you have something to say and if it's fun and it's worthwhile and it enriches somebody's life, uh, I think every platform has the potential to survive. So I don't see that as a challenge at all. Do you? I was hoping you would give this answer itself and you'd say <laughs> isn't because uh, I think long form content will always stay out there. Uh, yeah. uh, the only things that will refine it or make it a little better are algorithms that I've, that can come into it. And yeah. uh, the reason why I say algorithms is not because of the way Instagram does it or any other platform does it because yeah. uh, that'll bring me to the next question also where I really want to address whether chasing algorithms and uh, falling trap into doing what everyone else is asked to do is making our content irrelevant also, right? But yeah. again, that's a micro-content fiasco. 
when it comes to macro as long as your story is authentic uh, you can keep people glued from start to go and uh, you have the right things to say people will consume it and you only need to find the right platform and the right audiences for it and i'm no, that is actually you- an interesting yeah i had not considered that you know long form content may actually end up building more trust as well right because you're you're putting so much more of yourself out there uh, so it's not just that you're relevant topically in that one moment but what you have to say has influenced somebody's life so yeah i mean i, I hadn't thought of that so thank you for sharing yeah perfect and that brings me to the next question of understanding whether we are all chasing algorithms and falling into the trap of doing what everyone else is asked to do because we we are doing exactly what everybody else is doing to like up themselves on that algorithm how are we standing out and are we being relevant for our own audiences by standing true to the testament of an algorithm and not our own brand and that brings <laughs> us to like this fiasco of what 2023 has to offer because in 2022 instagram uh as a marketing funnel went the tiktok route and made yeah, themselves yeah. video right no i mean honestly uh can we chase the algorithm is that even possible i think we've all learned that i hope we've learned that lesson we've seen it a lot of brands that we work with have seen it that things can change overnight and in fact uh, i had a bit of a micro experience not so much the algorithm but the platform itself had changed its approach when i first moved to bangalore almost a de- decade ago uh, i started writing reviews for all the restaurants we went to on zomato and i became a bit of a food influencer right like i only know this because sometimes when i google my name some of those things still show up like it's so far away in the past that it's no longer relevant but at that time i was invited to food communities as a critic and i was asked to you know dine at some of the nicest places in bangalore and you won't believe the reason why it changed overnight is because zomato decided that they would prioritize their reviews not by chronology but by the number of followers that you already had and i had nothing right so overnight i went from being a food critic of whatever you know uh, form and nature that you could kind of consider to being nobody right and that's kind of what happens when we go in search of an algorithm because and we've said this in some episodes uh, in fact very specifically episode 2 of season 1 um wherein we have talked about the fact that a lot of us don't actually need the kind of numbers that sometimes we think will make us happy right uh, it's very easy for me to say hey if only i had 10000 followers on linkedin uh, but what purpose is that really going to serve and in chasing the algorithm the only thing that we are going to be able to uh, you know buffer up is probably those vanity metrics right it's probably not going to help you build any deep connections with anybody of any kind of relevance uh, either to you as a professional or as a person so um, does that mean you don't make reels of course you have to i mean somewhere you have to play the game but do it because you enjoy it uh, and not because you know the algorithm is telling you to do that and the quality of work that you put out when you make that you know uh, clarification between one and the other is just um, leaps and bounds different yeah i mean yeah do the reels but do it because you like them don't do them because instagram has changed their mind that said it has been my experience probably because also what we run is a service business and service businesses the choices are made based on trust right so in that context i found that putting myself out there and pitching is sometimes the best way to uh, close conversations faster 
right? Because I do know that when I go and speak, uh, that that same no-nonsense practical approach does tend to kind of come through. Uh, and people appreciate that is what I've kind of come to understand. So my preferred method of uh, marketing for Motley Crue is actually to have one-on-ones uh, in as physical a space as possible. Uh, but I have also seen people do a similar job very successfully using their online presence as well. So it's not that one or the other is relevant or not. It's just a question of today we have all these opportunities. Um, so where can we really shine and just make that choice and, you know, stick to it. And I completely like comply with it where you yeah. say that conversions of these conversations are a lot more faster and uh, pitching comes down to pitching for a brand and knowing that you want them on board. I'm going to throw an example out here. When Bira came into the market, everybody wanted to work with Bira because it was such a cool brand, uh, had a really cool philosophy, still has a very cool philosophy. I'm not going to use it in past tense, but everybody wanted to work with Bira. And yeah. they were they were seeing 80 people coming and presenting to them every single day. How do you stand out when 80 people are coming and pitching to you about working with them or creating a partnership and the ilk, right? Usually when you walk into a room, there's one decision maker and two juniors who are right there to address what the senior most person or the decision maker wants out of it, right? Yeah. It's a not away segment of sorts because there's one person who is addressing the queries that you're asking them. And there are two people who are either creating a minutes of the meeting or just accepting what the decision maker is saying. But yeah. we wanted to erase that gap, right? And we walked into this room with three cans of beeras one the blonde, one the strong, and one the white. And okay. uh, we had about 20 ideas to pitch to them. And we kept three of these cans in front of each of these three people and told them that we're going to run you through a bunch of ideas. If you resonate strongly with it, take a sip of the strong. If you resonate with it meekly and you think it can be worked upon, it has potential, take a sip of the blonde. And if you don't resonate with it, take a sip of the white, right? And oh. now that they're forced to take a decision looking at a screen and not at each other, they want to play it safe too because the decision maker can't take a sip of the strong while the junior person in the room yeah. takes a sip of uh, the white, right? Yeah. And in order to become safe players, we got zero sips of the white. Nobody took a sip of the white because they said maybe this idea has potential or maybe this, something, this is something that works out. We got nine sips of the strong, 11 sips of the blonde. And we said we've been uh, actually monitoring the responses that we've got while pitching our ideas. You've liked nine of them and we're going to like work deeply into that. Eleven have potential and we're going to work a lot more deeply for that for the next presentation. And we'll see you on the next date. We just wanted a foot into the door to come again and see them. Yeah. Right? You've been remembered. You've gotten validation for what's going to work. And essentially, one way or another, you're winning this game, right? Like there's no way you can lose when people are telling you that this is what's working for us and this is what's not. Exactly. If, if you stand out in a, in a room full of strangers... Uh, they will want to see you again. And uh, <laughs> now that we had bagged a second presentation with Bira, we wanted we had to stand out again. We had set up benchmark high for ourselves, right? And uh, the next time we went there, if you know Bira's uh, mascot is that monkey head, right? Yeah. And uh, the next time we walked into this presentation, I had forced my creative then creative director to wear a monkey head cap himself and wear one myself. And we walked into the office. A lot of people thought that Bira as an organization itself has sent the two of us for some sort of like employee engagement. And we were getting high fives from people as we were walking through. And then we went straight into the meeting room and sat there. And people were like, who are these guys? They aren't from Bira, clearly. 
and uh, when we put we brought our monkey heads off was when they realized that we've come here for another pitch presentation for round two and even before that person walked in he said i don't want to look at the pitch i think we need to work together because play was their motto at that point and if you try to target any of that maybe something bags into your favor yeah and the worst thing you've done is taken a chance right like it's there's really very little to lose so yeah and just give it your best shot this reminds me of uh, one of the participants in beach house five who had spoken about sending a certain coffin uh, to a certain producer's uh, office because he wanted to pitch a, a, a ghost story who uh, <laughs> sends coffin this love that i'm going to bring that example up to sida jain ex creative head of hotstar i had written the script of ragini mms and uh, wanted balaji telefilms to do this because balaji had until then played it safe with very family oriented dramas going out there and yeah. ragini mms was completely different it was alt balaji right it's completely alternative and uh, he wrote the script put it into a coffin and delivered it to ekta kapoor uh, i think a lot of the security person walked in to check if everything was safe inside the coffin found a script there i don't think she even read it she loved that he, he had taken the intent of doing so much to just get, like grab her attention and yeah. ragini mms so yeah and that's proof that good pitches always work right so yeah i always think of that example like how cool do you have to be to pull off something like that and uh, on the last note i have one last question i think a lot of people today are uh, looking for validation through an alternative source madam marketing does that it validates really cool marketing campaigns or case yeah. studies for that so is it true that certain case studies of marketing campaigns drive results only through the validation that it brings out some text right hmm. pieces which are on mado marketing i try to google them after it's come out on mado marketing right so is validation as much important as marketing as the campaign itself you know that kind of reminds me uh, i've been watching a bit of shark tank season 2 uh, on which i have several thoughts which we'll kind of not discuss right now but uh i feel like a lot of companies there are not really coming to be funded necessarily right they are coming so that people start googling them up uh and start finding out who they are so i do think that sometimes the very idea of a campaign is amplification uh we don't see a lot of that in b2b though because there the decision making process is slightly different and your end result is only whether you've made a sale or not uh but for industries where impressions do matter and even in the context of b2b there are contexts for example if you're attending an event uh and you want to make sure that people know that you're attending that event and that itself means something uh we do have to orchestrate that ex- you know extra amount of pr push uh we do have to reach out and tell people hey this cool thing is happening um so i do think that uh it's just another form and format of distribution uh on steroids probably if i could put it that way um but i don't think there would be any campaign whose only purpose is amplification right to i don't know if that in and of its i mean let's just take the example of some campaigns that have failed right because all they were trying to do is get amplified uh wim black is i mean we've spoken so much about it on this podcast in my linkedin as well um it, there are ways for these things to go wrong when all you're trying to do is become famous uh so the meat has to still be there um it has to be relevant it has to resonate with the people that you're you know marketing slash advertising to 
And then by all means, you know, amplification and push and distribution uh, have kind of their own role to play. I think that answers all the questions that I had in mind. And when you speak about driving results where validation honestly is only to like help people identify what you're doing or your authentic story or brand's authentic story, there's nothing wrong with it. So let that validation come and uh, don't shy away from it. I think the one of the biggest drawbacks is when somebody compliments you, you do not know what to do after that. So just say thank you, like at the end of this podcast. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Kush. This is actually very, very exciting. It's so much fun uh, because it's very rare uh, that I find myself being put on the spot. Uh, and I did feel a little uncomfortable when we were doing the whole personal brand and self-branding uh, segment. I felt that discomfort come up, uh, which I think, honestly, we all need to kind of embrace uh, and become a little more comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes, uh, because that's where true growth does happen. So thank you for pulling me out of my own uh, a rabbit hole of my own creation and for being here and doing this very exciting episode. Uh, and guys, I truly didn't know what questions he was going to come up with. And while we were preparing, we made it very clear that I didn't want to know as well. Uh, So I was as surprised by the questions as you folks might have been. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Damn Good Marketing Podcast with Kush, Creative Chief at the Experience Co. We hope you get to travel a lot more this year. And if you're going to travel, then do it with the Experience Co. Because you're going to come out on the other side, a very different person. Thank you, Kush. Thanks so much for being here today. So much. And I'm going to agree to everything that Hasita said because you should shamelessly market yourself. That'll be like my mic drop moment. Thank you so much, Hasita.